Hey everyone, welcome back for season three of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're going to keep exploring the issues around midlife and older women at work. So let's get started with today's guest. Hey everyone, I've got such an interesting guest on the show today. I'm joined by Jacqueline Wales. Jacqueline and I talked all about how to become more fearless in your personal life and at work how to combat feeling invisible and imposter syndrome, and why we might want to rethink the way that we're looking at retirement. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So welcome to the show, Jacqueline. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. Yeah, it's great to have you. You know, I I always start with my guests the same way. I ask, I always ask, what brought you to doing the work that you're doing today? So that's a long story, but uh, primarily uh, life experiences. I had been, uh, I've managed to live a very kind of unusual life, outside the box life, where I've had to overcome a great many challenges, both internally, psychologically, as well as externally in dealing with circumstances. I left home at 16. I was pregnant by the time I was 19. I gave my child up for adoption at 20. I got married and left him three, you know, a few years later with a three and a half year old son. Moved to San Francisco, didn't know anybody. Um, you know, ended up being with my husband now for 43 years when I met him in San Francisco back in 1979, which definitely ages me. But um, you know, there was a lot of of pieces along the way that you know brought me to a, a real confrontation with my own psychological psychologically damaged background because it was very much so I, I did not get raised in a household that believed in love and affection and all those things and said they believed in alcoholism and violence and uh, that was just the way it was so there was a lot to overcome and as i went into my my late 30s i i had more children i ended up getting pregnant again and i think that was a real turning point for me when i said i need to, to get to a place where she leaves me before i leave her which meant she would go to college that i would figure out how to be a mother and i would figure out how to make this work uh, I then went on to have two more, a stepdaughter and, and then a younger daughter on top of that. So motherhood has really been a big piece of the, the program for me over a lifetime. And it was really about how do I change the dynamics of the family patterns uh, so that my kids can grow up healthy. And that meant that I had to change myself in order for that to happen. So the being fearless piece and coming to this work took many you know, a couple of decades at least. Um, So through my 40s, I learned, you know, I I started writing and I published books and I made music and I became a cantor and I traveled the globe and I took up martial arts. My 40s were a very, very fertile, amazing time. And then in my 50s, our life changed financially and I had to think about what's a career. And at the time I was being coached by someone who was very high up in the coaching world and she said, you'd make an excellent coach. And I went, oh, well, I've been given advice all my life when people say, what do you think? Uh, she said, well, you can get paid for it. And I went, you get paid for it? All right, I think I'll go for that one. So anyways, I learned how to become a coach, but what I learned in the process was, this is my calling. This is what I was put on this earth to do. And it was not only to share with people my experiences of changes that I've gone through, and some of them are pretty damn dramatic, um, but uh, also to help people 
understand that they too can change their limiting beliefs, their behaviors, and uh, develop a life that they want to live in as opposed to developing a life that they just want to put up with and wait until they die, which is where a lot of people actually function. And uh, that's a sad loss of life, in my opinion. So uh, I'm all about the positivity and, and helping people understand where they get caught up in their own BS and how to move beyond it. And so the being fearless piece became the, the, the driver. And when I wrote my first Fearless Factor book, um, I wrote it because I was a new coach and, and I needed some credibility because I didn't have a corporate background. I didn't have anything I could point to that, you know, except for all the life experiences. But um, I wrote the book simply because I wanted people to understand that this journey of growth and change is possible and we can all do it and we've all done it. And so when I say being fearless is not the absence of fear, but the courage to take the next step. That becomes the big piece for me, that courage to take this, the, the next step. Because I truly believe that fear matters to your success. And the reason for that is because it is a driver for growth. It's that moment when you go, there's stuff showing up here, I'm not comfortable, and I'm anxious, or I'm worried, or whatever word you want to put on that one. But here's, an, here's, a, here's a spark that allows you to either avoid, distract, negate whatever you want to do or you can say what do i need to learn here how can i get beyond this because when you get beyond it it's amazing i mean possibilities are endless when you get out of your fear state and you get into the possibilities and that is about being curious i'm curious what is this telling me what's that about who am i where do i want to go and what is it that's getting in the way? These are the three primary questions of all coaching practices, frankly. So the piece in the middle, of course, is what's getting in the way is what I help people understand so that they stop becoming their own worst enemy and become their own best friend with kindness and compassion. There you have it. Wow, that is, that's quite a story uh, that's incredibly inspiring, all of the points of reinvention during your life. I'd love to hear that piece about being in your 40s and having that be a real fertile time. I think that's something that's really going to be an inspiration to a lot of listeners. I'm interested in this idea of fearlessness, and I want to unpack that a little. I've heard this idea that there's fearlessness and then there's also courageousness and maybe you can talk about the difference is there a difference between being courageous and being well fearless? you know sometimes courage comes at the 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 unlikeliest times in your life when you're asked to show up for something that previously you would have looked at and gone hell no i'm not going there um whereas you know the fearless part is really you know, what happens when fear comes into your life? So, you know, you can be courageous without feeling fear. So there is a difference there. So when we think about being fearless, and as I said earlier, being fearless is not the absence of fear. So how do you define fear for yourself? It's an emotion, first and foremost. But mostly it's imagination-based. It's the stories we tell ourselves. It's the stuff we make up in order to put a story on how we're feeling. 
So if I'm anxious, what's that about? If I'm worried, what's that about? And many times when we are in fear, we are in future focus. And that future focus is not necessarily the empirical truth of what is actually going on. So we again make up stories about, well, things are going to go off the rail, we're not going to do well, we're going to lose our money, we're going to be homeless, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, all of that could be true, but from this present moment where you're sitting, do you have empirical evidence that is true? If the answer is no, then you're just making shit up in order to, to somehow build something around this that makes you feel like there's a meaning to it. And frequently there is no meaning to it simply because you just want to get yourself into a state about why that is. And trust me, I know this one super well because I knew how to do that with perfection, which is where you become your own worst enemy, where you get caught up in your bullshit and where you don't allow the possibilities of something else to come in. So what, what, what does it look like if you actually say, wow, I really could achieve that. And then the next second you're going, well, not really. You don't have the resources. You're not really competent. You're, you know, who told you you could do that? That's the negative voice that comes into play. Instead of going, wow, I like what's the possibility out there. Let's look at what it's going to take to get there. And yes, there are things I don't know yet. And that wonderful little word, yet, is a really important one because we can't have all the answers at the get-go, nor do we want them, because then you cut off the experience of discovery. And discovery is all about failing and getting up again. It's about taking a risk and finding out that, yeah, that was maybe the wrong route to go down, and God knows I went down a lot of wrong roads in my life. But the point being is that unless you're willing to go explore to discover, to fail. That wonderful dream out there, it's probably never gonna happen because you're not willing to take the risk that it could happen. Now, I talk about fear of failure a lot in my work. When if I ask an audience, what's your biggest fear? And they come back and they go, oh, failure. All right, how many times have you failed in your life? Yeah, quite a few, okay. Did you recover? Yes. Was it an expectation, a decision, or a choice that, that you made that did not go the way that you wanted it to? Yes. Okay, great. So, what happens? Well, you go choose something else. You use the word next, because next is really what life is all about. Next. That didn't work. Let's go for next. So, I really, you know, challenge people to question their thinking, to question their state of mind, the stories that they tell themselves. Because it's through that analysis, through that willingness to be able to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the truth, the honest truth about who you are, that becomes a major issue. Right now, I'm, I have an online program called Transformational Strategies for Success, and it's currently being uh, tested in, in pilot. And there's a lot of people coming back and going, this is hard work. And I was like, yeah, I didn't promise you a cakewalk. Because coming to terms with yourself, and the program's all about who are you, where do you want to go, and what's getting in the way. And it's pretty detailed, very in-depth, really forces people to ask themselves some very deep questions that at times are hard to answer. But if you can get honest and you can answer them, 
you break through the barriers that stop you from achieving the things that you want to achieve in life without excuses. That's really what it is. And the other side of that, of course, is taking full responsibility for everything that you're all about. And I mean everything. It's nobody else's fault. Nobody else is to blame because we're all in this dance together. So what's your part in it? What do you do? What are you thinking? Yeah, it's such great advice. I wonder about this idea about comfort. I've had this conversation a lot lately with people about, you know, kind of our pursuit of comfort in North America, that we want to be comfortable all the time and we really don't like when we're not comfortable. Do you think comfort is maybe masquerading um, or fear is masquerading as comfort? I wouldn't say that fear is masquerading as comfort, but I think there is an illusion that we can have comfort because we're always challenged by something. I don't care what it is, whether it's in relationships, in your job, in how you take care of yourself. You know, there are many multitudes of ways in which we can think about that particular one. So I would say that, you know, any change process, and you've probably heard this too, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because if you're not uncomfortable, you just go along to get along. And that's when people feel like they're stuck. They're in status quo. I like to keep things just where it is. Thank you very much. But when you look around you, and especially now in this country, it's in complete chaos. And we're not the only ones. The world in general is struggling right now. And it's, you know, my, my position is it's always going to be about people and helping people develop their self-awareness and their emotional intelligence and their ability to communicate and, and so on and so forth. That's really a big piece of the work that I do. But at the same time, you know, we have to know that even though the world is crazy out there, what can we control in here? You know, and, and there's a big issue right there for a lot of people. And God knows I was a control freak for a long time. And some people would still say, I still am. Um, but at the same time, I understand that there's only so much that we can control. But more importantly, control yourself. That's, that's a big piece. So rather than being a reactive individual, be a proactive individual. Understand that when you get yourself into head trash or when you get yourself into behaviors that aren't working for you, you have a choice. You can pull out of that if you really want. Otherwise you can go on and you can complain about it and you can sit around and eat bonbons and watch the TV and get fat. I don't care, you know, makes you happy. That's great. But if it's making you unhappy, anything that's making you unhappy, there's an invitation for change. And it's up to you. I mean, I, I put on 20 pounds during COVID and we're still in it, of course. But come, I think it was February this year, I was like enough already. You're, you know, even though you're working out regularly, you're still eating all the wrong things, drinking too much wine, blah, blah, blah. Um, give it a miss. So I, I went on a, a program, detox program, and I committed myself to it. And that, you know, 20 pounds disappeared. So, it, you know, but it was a commitment. And that's the other thing that I talk about in my work. There are six things that I learned in martial arts. 
And the number one thing is commitment. Now, I have a black belt in, in Shotokan Karate, and I did martial arts for about 12, 14 years. So the, 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 the practice of, of karate, or the practice of martial arts, is really a, a major piece in life because it helps you understand these six things. The first one is commitment. If I'm going to be in a fight, I have to be committed to being there. If you're going to be in anything, you've got to be committed to being there. You've got to be able to focus, focus on your opponent, but you're not looking at the arms, legs, and where they're going. You're looking in their eyes because you can see everything when you look in somebody's eyes. You know, it's like I can look at this camera right now. I can see my hands are moving around. Where's it going to go? So the focus piece is really important. This, the third piece of it is discipline. You've got to have the discipline to show up and again for thousands of hours doing the same things over and over again, which leads me to a point that I'm going to bring up in a moment. So discipline, you've got to give the, yourself the discipline to show up for yourself and do the work. And again, my, my online program, there are some people who are not doing it because they don't have the discipline. They thought it was a good idea to start this, but they're not going to finish. I know they're not going to finish because they're not committed to the whole process. Commit and focus, discipline. The next one is going to be follow through. How many times do you start something that there's no follow through? Now, for women in business particularly, that's a big one right there. You know, how are we going to keep moving forward? And the, what follows with that is consistency. And consistency is something that's very hard. I'm creative. Consistency was not one of my key words growing up. And it certainly wasn't one of my key words for a very long time in my life. But what I recognized eventually was that if you want to get anything done with any kind of purpose and with any kind of, of result, you better learn how to be a bit more consistent in how you're approaching things. And the last piece is perseverance. When you fail or you fall down, get up again. It builds your resilience. Your resilience is what will carry you through. And resilience is really looking at experiences that you've done in the past, and no matter how bad it feels like it is right now, look back on those past experiences. Did you get over it? Oh yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is just another canyon along the way that you've got to get through. And uh, I think that's, that's another big piece of it. So commitment, focus, discipline, follow through, consistency, and perseverance. Those are the six things that are essential for anyone's growth and anyone's success in the world. Wow, I think I'm gonna be writing those uh, six tips down for sure. I just wanna change gears on you slightly um, because you know a lot of the focus of the podcast this season is around women at work. And there are a lot of circumstances working against women right now at work. And I think sometimes we can get in uh, the word that you used, I think, was head trash. I love that word. We can get into that at work, thinking about you know how we're moving forward, what our mobility is. Can you talk about how we can be a little bit more fearless at work? Yeah. Number one, speak up. Women are far too silent. You know, they allow whatever's happening in a meeting to be hijacked by the guys in the room nine times out of ten and you know even when a woman puts forward a good idea somebody in the room usually a guy will steal that idea and and extrapolate on it 
they need to interrupt. They need to point out that that was them who put that idea forward and they've got more to come with that. When you're in, in, in some kind of situation where, you know, someone is, is talking too much and you just kind of stay silent about it and you've got opinions, have the courage to express the opinion and get out of that mindset that says, well, what I have to offer isn't really going to have any real value, blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit. Now, we as women, you know, we complain about the guys having all the control and so forth, but we've allowed that to happen. And I say that deliberately. To a greater degree, we've allowed that to happen by remaining silent, by not speaking up, by not taking control of a situation at work. And I've heard a lot of stories around this. I recently interviewed 80 high-achieving women to ask them, some questions. And the first one was, uh, you know, where has fear limited your opportunity? And the answer that came back on that question frequently was, I didn't speak up. I didn't take a decision. I allowed other people to take control. Now, there was 80 women, highly achieved in all kinds of, of disciplines. And I've worked with a lot of PhDs in, in my life too. And I can tell you, it, it's the same story over and over again. So here's the deal that I'm saying to women right now. It's time for you to find your voice. It's time for you to step up, to be more fearless. Now, feel the fear and do it anyway, as Susan Jeffers would have said many years ago when she wrote the first book on getting past the fears. Um, and, you know, learn how to be uncomfortable doing that because in time your confidence will, will increase and you will have more assertiveness. Because here's the other thing, we get accused of being bitches at work because we're assertive or we're too aggressive. I've been called many times and told I'm too direct. And I, my answer to that is get used to it because this is how I roll. That's how a guy rolls. Nobody thinks twice about it, but women are somehow expected to be more subservient and those days are over. I'm, I am totally on a bandwagon about this at this point. We need more women to rise up, to raise their voices, to take control. We know that women in business are far more profitable. Women who are running businesses are far more profitable than their male counterparts. They're run more effectively. They're run more collaboratively. There's a whole bunch of research out there that shows this to be true. So if you're a woman listening to this and you're thinking about your role in your organization, ask for more. Try it. Ask for more. Because you deserve more. Nine times out of ten, I'll guarantee you, I don't even need to know what your job is or what you've done to get there, but you deserve more. And whether it's more pay or whether it's a bigger role or whether it's sharing ideas and having them accepted, you have to find a way to make that happen. You're here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, again, that's just such great advice. I wonder if things change as women get older. I hear from women, of course, you know, my audience is women in midlife and older, and I hear from women a lot. Well, there's two things I hear over and over. You know, I feel invisible as I get older. Nobody sees me anymore. And the other piece that I hear that I think surprises me a little is around confidence that, you know, outwardly, 
that many women appear to be confident, but inwardly they're feeling not very confident and that that erodes a little bit as they're getting older, especially in midlife. I think maybe that changes past midlife, but can you speak to that a little? Well, in midlife, we're, we're starting to reevaluate our priorities, our values. By midlife, many women have had a family, raised a family, they're going off to college at this point, or maybe they're even young adults at this stage. Um, so finding your identity past that is a big piece of being in your 50s. When I first started my coaching practice, I called it the fearless 50s. And the reason why I did that was because I met a lot of women in midlife who were in that questioning stage of, of you know, again, who am I without that? without a, that type of job or with that role in the family, you know, who am I and what is it that I want to do with the rest of my life? Now, when you're in your 50s and if you're still healthy, you're looking at another 30 years, you know, if you're fortunate, maybe more uh, of life left. And, you know, as I said earlier, I'm now 70 years old. That absolutely astounds me. It's like, you know, how the hell did you get to be 70? Um, but, you know, I started my coaching practice when I was in, at the age of 54. So this was a piece why it was Fearless 50s, because there I was in my 50s. But I, I see that, you know, the invisible pieces, you know, we have body images. There's no question that I look in the mirror and I go, you're definitely looking old, you know. And yet a lot of people will look at me and go, you don't look like you're 70 years old. Thanks for the compliment. I appreciate that. But the point being is that I'm still fit. I'm still healthy. I'm still strong. I don't go to doctors. I don't do any of that stuff simply because I take good care of myself. But my identity now is tied up in the work that I do, that I created. And all of the writings, I've done three books, and I've created online programs and other programs, and I've done a whole lot of certifications and this and that. Finding that identity for myself from 50 onwards has really become my life calling. So when people say they're invisible, I have to say, what are you doing that keeps you playing small? What is it that keeps you from, from stepping forward? And regardless of your age, you deserve to be here and you deserve to contribute whatever it is that you want to contribute and not take what we would say in English, guff from anybody about whether this is right, wrong, or indifferent. Because the great thing about getting older is the confidence piece that you talked about. I can be very confident outwardly, but inwardly that self-doubt still exists. Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Uh, will, will I be accepted? You know, a lot of women are approval driven. They need validation from other people, so they're constantly saying, what do you think? you know, as opposed to thinking of yourself. So, but I will say that over the years, and I can again say from experience, my confidence has absolutely accelerated the older I get. Just because I know myself better. I know what I'm capable of. I know what skills and talents I've acquired over my lifetime, and I'm accepting of them. Because that's the other thing. Women tend to underplay who they are. They underplay their talents. They underplay their, 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 their skills. They, they don't take into account all the experiences that got them to where they are 
at that very moment. But when you can totally take account of all of that, you can turn around and go, hell yeah, I deserve to be here. And yay, I deserve to have a voice in the proceedings. And I, I have something to contribute. Because, you know, all of these years have given you a lot to contribute to the world. But when you undervalue that or when you undermine yourself with, with what you think you know, and that comes into the imposter syndrome, you know, it's like I got where I got, but somebody's going to find out that I was just faking it the whole way. Please, give me a break. Women have to work twice as hard, and women of color probably three times as hard as anyone to get where they are at any given point in their life. So think about that next time you think you're invisible or you behind the scenes think, yeah, right, maybe I don't have the boots. I love that idea that your confidence has grown as you've gotten older. I think that's that's really a, a great um, thing for women who are listening to think about. And I wonder about the retirement piece. Um, I have been talking and writing a lot recently about what if women want to stay working? I think there's just an assumption that we wind things up as soon as we hit, you know, 55, 65, wherever it is. And I've always been really interested in this because I'm not particularly, um, I'm not interested in retiring uh, anytime soon. And I think there are a lot of women in that same boat. And I love the idea that you're going strong in your work at 70. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about some ideas for those of us who want to keep working. So the word retirement doesn't, doesn't come into my vocabulary at all. I don't know what that really means, frankly. I have you know neighbors around me in this community who are the same age as me or a little bit older. And they are retired, they're, they're traveling, they're spending time with their grandkids, they're, they're doing all of that. I've done a lot of traveling in my life. I did most of my traveling in my, my 30s and 40s and into my 50s. And at this point in my life, I'm quite happy not to go anywhere, especially because it's a bit chaotic out there. Um, but to the point being is that you reach a stage where one chapter is finishing. And that's what you have to think of it as. There's a chapter that's ending, and you've got a whole new chapter to write. What do you want to write in that chapter? It's not about, well, that chapter ended and that's it, I'm done. Hell no, you're just beginning. It's a new chapter. And when we're at the beginning of something new, there's always confusion about, you know, again, like I said earlier, can I do this? Is it possible, blah, blah, blah. So the big question becomes, what is it that really drives your passion? What do you love to do? What do you love to do that you can bring to something else? So for instance, let's say you've had a very successful career and you're coming to an end on that career, but you're thinking about all the skills and talents that you've acquired, your people skills, your, your other types of skills. If they still give you pleasure, then how do you transform that into something different? by still using the same skill sets, or maybe building new skill sets, like I did when I was in my 50s. I knew nothing about coaching, so I took a coaching program. After I took the coaching program, I was definitely not done, so I started taking other courses and 
learning different things and spending money on things that I actually didn't need and uh, on people who didn't get me where I wanted to go. Uh, but, you know, it was all part of the live and learn, basically. So my advice to people who are in that retirement zone, whatever that means to you, is think about what your next chapter will look like. Because you get to choose. Maybe you fell into a career simply because somebody else said that's a good idea. And how many people live by other people's good ideas? So you went through your career and it was okay. You made money. You did what you did. You raised your family, blah, blah, blah. Now, at this point in your life, you get to decide for you what really matters. And the hell with other people in terms of whether they like it or not like it. It's not their choice. It's your choice. So that would be the, the best piece of advice that I would give, is follow that inner drive that says, this is what I really want to do. And if you don't know what that is, and I had a conversation with somebody who was a very highly acclaimed documentary filmmaker the other day there, and she is in transition. She's in her late 50s. She's in transition, and she wants to know what should I do next, because I don't want to be out there making documentaries. And I said the same thing that I just told you, which is think about all the skills that you use to do what you've done. And then think about how you could mentor others. Think about how you could be an advisor to younger documentary makers or to other production companies that would actually allow you to use the skills and the knowledge that you already have to help the next generation. Um, so, you know, that's something for her to think about, and she hasn't made any decisions on it at this point in time. But you've got to be thinking outside the box. You've got to be thinking not in a linear way, but in a more non-linear way. Connect the dots. See, see what comes up for you. And if you can't make up your mind, that's what coaching is for. Most people think, oh, I need a coach because I've got to fix something. Hell no. It's about... I want to take the next part of the journey. And the journey's not over till we're in the pine box going out the door. So what do you want to do between here and there? And that's a lot of space to fill in. And there's a lot of growing in there. I like to say we, are, we learn, grow, and achieve. And if we're not growing, we're organic beings, so we're dying. And a lot of people are in that dying phase. There was a quote once about, you know, you're born and by the time you get to 30, you're already dead because you're not thinking about the growth in your life. And that's, that's a whole other conversation, but there is a point to this. You get to design the life you want. Nobody else. And at this stage of life, you have earned it. There's no question about that. You have definitely paid your dues at the office over and over again. So now it's your turn. And that's what I said when, when I got into the 50s was, it's your turn. You've already given enough. Give it to yourself now. Wow. Well, I think we are going to end our questions on that note. That's just, again, so inspiring. And I'm wondering if our listeners wanted to find out more about your work or even to contact you about working together, where would they go? They'd go to JacquelineWales.com, very easy. 
And uh, my email is Jacqueline at JacquelineWales.com. So the, welcome to go check things out. There's a lot on my website, a lot about what I do, uh, a lot about transformational strategies for success also. And uh, be happy to talk to anybody who's, who's interested. Sounds great. And I'll make sure that we put all of that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jacqueline. It's truly my pleasure, Kate. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.